0: So we have really been in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm not going to put it for you up on the screen uh, today, but I'm just going to read it for you real quickly, because this is where we've been. Uh, and it simply says, Hear, O Israel, The Lord, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your might, with all of your soul, with all your might. And the words that I've commanded you shall write them on your heart. And then you should teach them to your children diligently. When you, you should talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up, you should bind them on your hand and write them on the frontlets of, uh, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and even on your gates. And so the idea here is this, is that we are to take what we learn from the Lord and we're to instruct it to our children. And so over the course, of the last five weeks, we've talked about a variety of things. One, we've addressed a problem that we have in our culture, and that is that the family structure is actually weakening by the day. The other thing is we began to address some ways to strengthen the family. We talked about love has to be the, the root change, that that's going to be the agency in which all these other things come from that the way that we love is an unconditional, God-fearing sort of love, not some mythological type of love that we feel that we can fall in and out of. And so if we base our families off of a love that Jesus gives us, then it means we can't easily leave. It means that we can't just fall in out of love like a rocking chair. You don't stop loving your kids. And so if you don't stop loving your kids, we shouldn't stop loving our husband or our spouse or our family members. And so we talked about that. And then from there, we've addressed a handful of other things. We've talked about marriage and parenting. And this week, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. And we're going to come back to a text that we centered on last week. But I'm going to hone in on one verse that I didn't get to hone in on quite as well as I would have liked to last week. And I did that on purpose. And so in Ephesians chapter six, which is almost coupled with the verse I just read you, I want you to see again, what it looks like to be great parents. And uh, today I'm going to single some people out. And I do that because I love you and I care for you very much. And you'll know who you are in just a few minutes. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life in the land. Now, we've talked uh, to parents we've even talked to, to kids in this message series um, and so really w- I look at these these verses and I, I want to remind you kind of what I, I shared with you last week and that was my plan as a as a leader in my house what it looks like to for me to serve God completely and so there's four goals we have one we want to give a connection with Jesus to our children yeah I mean we want them to know Christ more than we want them to know anything else we want to enact purpose uh, purposeful full discipline. We're going to discipline and we don't count to three. We don't give a lot of warnings. We sometimes do give grace, but the bottom line is dad said, I'd like you to do this. Let me tell you, parents, it does not always work out that way. Okay. I understand that. I, I know that, but that's why we also have healthy consequences and boundaries. Then beyond that, we want to emulate meaningful relationships, meaning That if I want my kids to have great friendships and quality boundaries in their relationships, then I've got to model that. That's why I'm in community with other people. You can tell me what you want. You can convince me all day long as you try to convince yourself. If you are not in a God-given community, a journey group, some sort of group, whether you meet at Dairy Queen, it may not be one of our journey groups. I'm talking a community that's biblically centered, then you cannot be all that God wants you to be because we're not designed to live our life by ourselves. It's not meant to be us, God and a pastor on TV. It's meant to be us and God in community with other people using our gifts for the body and service, and then connecting outside of our walls to other people and asking them to come along the journey with us. It is truly connecting people to God, to others and service into the world. Most of the people that I see get disconnected in our church are the ones who at some point, they either get frustrated with their journey group or they just decide it's not that important that that because they've got laundry to clean and things to do, that that's going to become the priority and they fall out of fellowship. And when they fall out of fellowship with other people, you slowly begin to fall out of fellowship with Jesus Christ as well. And so one of the, the core things that I'm telling you is this, is that even in my parenting structure, I know I have to have a community of people because it doesn't just take me. It takes an entire tribe to raise my kids. Okay. But it's the right tribe. It's not just anyone speaking in their voice. I would rather our community group and the people that are on journey with us have a voice rather than just anyone. And so I model that. And then the last one is this. I want to provide cultural discernment. and That is a worldview. I want them to know what they should believe and why they should believe it. Let me kind of put it in a way that I think most of y'all can understand. How many of y'all are like you're single. You've never been married before. You're single, right? Like you, you're single, never been married Y'all know how like do you know like how tired you are. You're like tired all the time, yes. Um, I'm not. A, I don't. I don't have a gift of mercy. Okay. So like if, like if you come whining to me, most of the time I just go wah 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 wah. Go on. You know whatever. But it it really ramps up in a large part with singles, right? Because I used to be one. And you remember when you were single, how tired you thought you were? Yes. <laughs> Um, and so here it is, you're, you're this single lady and you're like, y'all remember the, the, the guy that, you know, at the circus or, you know, other little acts, you know, talent shows that he would manage all these plates, you know, y'all remember that? And he have all these things going, I, I, I can't do that. This is my wife's dishes. So she wouldn't approve. <laughs> But as a single, I mean, like right now, you're in this this part of your life where you're just trying to manage, you're just trying to keep this thing afloat, and, and all the while as you're pursuing maybe your school degree, maybe it's a college degree, maybe you're working and going to school, you're trying to hold down a couple of jobs to make sure you can take your, your care of your car payment, you got all these things going. And then all of a sudden you see him, you know, and we talked about that a few weeks ago in this fit to fight. Like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with him. He was eating spaghetti one day and you're like, oh, I got to have a relationship with him. And I'm like, I don't know why, but you do. So now you're trying to manage both. You you fall in love, right? Although that's not what we teach. Okay. Uh, you finally become a partner. You get married. You decide we're going to have life together and you begin to manage and you've got new job, new homes, you both got new cars cuz we deserve that, right? And we're trying to manage all of these things. And yes, sound familiar? And like this is family and then all of a sudden we have a few of these. <laughs> and you thought that managing this was tough? Now it's even tougher when you're having to manage these, right? And they all look a little different, they all act different. They're I mean, you just look at him and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that green one right there, I know exactly who that is, you know? <laughs> uh, you got the little one right over here that, I mean, you're like, I don't know where that one even came from, that maroon one. Yep, yep. That's his daddy's boy, yes. Uh, and so you're trying to manage and balance all these things so that, you know, you got all these little kids. And then what's crazy is you're managing all this. You're trying to be all that God wants you to be, and, and then you've got this. That's a teenager. <laughs> okay, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a plate, but it wants all the privileges of a plate, right? I mean, you're, you're trying to shape it to look like this, and all the while, they just keep asking for more, right? And you're just like, son, you need to get over there, and you need to do what? Well, I, I you owe me. No, I don't owe you anything, boy. And your goal is is to raise these little toots right here into something that looks like this. And can you imagine managing this on one of those poles, heavy, awkward. Sometimes we're looking wondering what what they're going to be useful for, but listen, they are useful. They mow awesome. They can weed eat. They can sweep. They can mop. Oh man, I can't wait. For these <laughs> to get a little bigger, right? But let me ask you a question. Can you imagine what it would be like if, ladies, this went missing? And what we have right now is this. We, we live in a day and age where mom is balancing all of these. And today I'm going to talk in this message about a couple of things. And and I understand I'm going to put two people out on the edge. And and I want you to hear this because I, I want you to hear my heart in this. We're going to put some moms that you're doing life by yourself. We're going to put you out on the edge a little bit. Now the message isn't towards you, but the statistics are going to alarm you a little bit. But the awesome thing is I read you a passage earlier in Psalm 68, that God is the father of the fatherless. And that he has the widows. He has the single mothers in his hand. That he cares so greatly for you and the job that you do. But I want you to understand that God designed the home for it to be a mom and a dad. And the reason why is because dad, not just biblically speaking, but statistically speaking, if you take Bible out of it, Statistics would tell you that the home cannot function properly without a dad. That it's not meant to be done without a dad. Now, is it done without a dad? Yes, because we have some super single moms, truly. And there are some of you that you balance both plates, and you do it better than some of us that we have both of us. And we commend you for that. We're so grateful for that. And not only that, I have a challenge for you at the end of the day, because I'm so proud about what God is doing. But I got to talk to... To you and let you also know the reality of what it looks like to not have a dad present. Now I'm talking to two different types of homes. I'm talking to a home where dad truly is not physically present. He's not there at all. And then I'm talking about homes where dad is there, but he's not present. And that's what I hear so many times from wives. They just say, I want my husband to be present. I want him to show up. I want him to be a part of the story. I want him to journey with us. I want him to teach our kids, to love our kids, to pray with our kids, to kiss our kids, to read to our kids. And time and time again, as dads, we've come up with the mentality that we are to go and be the red winners. We're to bring enough bacon home to feed us for the month, for the week, or whatever your plan is, whatever your paycheck provides. But ultimately, I want you to see this text in Ephesians 6, I left off one verse, and the reason why is because I'm going to hone in on some, some da- dads today. And, and here's why, because dads are important. Let me show you some statistics, just five of them, when dad's not present, when he's not home. So whether you're here at uh, Will's Point or you're in Edgewood, look at these. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. of adolescent patients that are now in chemical abuse centers or treatment facilities are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes, and a little over 6 out of every 10 youth suicides come from father-absent homes. Now, those statistics are alarming, and I want you to understand That this reminds me very much in Deuteronomy five as God's laying out the 10 commandments. He gives the very first one. He says, you shall have no other gods before you. And he says, you shouldn't carve anything out of graven images. You shouldn't worship birds or stones or anything else. And he says, you should not bow down and serve them. Why? Because the Lord, your God is a jealous God. And then he says, and he will punish the iniquity of a father for three or four generations. And the idea is that it's generational, but then verse 10 of Deuteronomy five says, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, I think so many of us in this room, we have become what our fathers were to us. And you say, well, no, 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 I'm not my father. Well, it's you either are, and you emulate what your father was, or you've gone the complete different spectrum to not be what your father was. But the thing is is this, every decision that we make actually is passed down to another generation. And there are some of you right now that you're actually feeling some generational curses that have been far instituted long before you ever were men. And I know for some of you that that is oftentimes the excuse for us as men to not be the the dads that we're called to be. However, I want you to know something. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And what that means is this, as believers in Jesus, we can no longer claim generational curses when we actually come in contact with the cross. And you have to decide, am I going to live as a dad who's been cursed or am I going to live as a dad who's been impacted by the cross? Am I going to live as a dad who has what, been affected by generational curse? Or am I going to live as a dad who's been impacted by the cross? Because once Christ comes into your life, then he begins to do something we said all along the way at Stone Point, and that is change the family tree. And that's all that I want to see done. That is the greatest hope of me as a pastor is see families' lives changed and trees forking in new directions as a result of God and his faithfulness. And I'll tell you where it begins. It begins with dad. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Excuse me. And so really there's two things, dads, that I want to encourage you to do. We're to instruct and to discipline. We talked briefly about that last week. We're also not to provoke our children to anger. And so there's two things I want to encourage with you. So, Dad, if you're in here, one thing I want you to do is I want you to begin to lean in. Lean in. When I mean lean in, I'm talking about leaning in to your family. When you lean in, that means that you prop everything else up. And as you lean in, there's four things I think you and I can do to begin leaning in. Now, moms, wives, kids, teenagers, all of you are about to have a say in this as to whether or not your pop's is leaning in well. And so you're going to have a, couple, a few challenges as we leave today, and I'm going to give you the basis of those in just a second. But the very first thing is, I want dads to lean into this area, making your faith a priority. What does that mean? I'm encouraging you dads to lead out in the area of church, to lead out in the area of commitment towards God and his church. Okay? Okay? So if you're dad in here, shake your head yes that you just heard that. Yes, sir. Okay, there's a few in the back that you're kind of like you're not with me, okay? I wanted to lean in and I want to lead out on the area of church. Shake your head with me, dad. Now let me explain something to you because here's some priorities that we have. Right now the weather is awesome and I've been thinking, man, it's been a long time since I've been out on that golf course. And honestly, what better of a day to go and hey, get out on the golf course? to come home, have lunch with the family. And, and hey, not only that, we could get everything in order for the week. Or not only that, hey, fishing, boating, it's getting to prime time. And those are things that are about to become the priority. For some of us, it, you're like, I don't care really about that, but you're kind of a sports guru. And so you're thinking of every league that you can sign up for, for everything you can be involved in. For some of it, it's fishing, it's hunting, For some of you, it's not that at all. You're like, I could care less about all that, but I have this incredible new hot rod that I really am souping up this engine, and I would really like to get this bad boy. I've got a 69 Chevy that I'm about to remake, and that's the priority in your house. For some of you, it's not even that. It's that I just have one day, and that's it. I I work Monday through Friday. I've got another job on Saturday, and Sunday's our only day. Well, let me tell you something. God has created our worship to be on the first day. That is the day that we're on now. I know for you and me, we think it's Monday. I start every new diet plan on Monday, right? (laughs) Yes. But actually the start of the day and the week is today, Sunday. And God is wanting us as men to make that a priority and to lead out in our homes. We, We should make an hour a week a top priority in our houses, men. Why? Because here's what I know. If you are really committed to God, to his kingdom, to your family, and to his church, there's no reason that you can't enjoy our hot coffee, our fresh donuts at 830 and be on the lake at 10. Understand? And I call that a complete win all the way around. Why? Why? because you're doing two things. You're leaning in and leading out in your family. And then number two, you're loving them well. But I'll tell you to love them well, you have to start with a few priorities. One of them is saying, I'm going to lead out in the area of church. I get it. If church is kind of new, you've been out of it for a while. It's hard. I oftentimes think to myself, if I didn't have to preach this morning, I might would sleep in. But as a dad, I know that whether I preach or not, we have to go to church. I know that we need to be a part of a community of people going the right direction. But I'll tell you, it's not enough if you make church a priority, if you lead out in this area, if you're not getting spiritually fit. The whole point of this series is to get fit to fight. And so men, let me ask you a question. How are you doing in that area? Paul writes in the same chapter that he talks about love, which we read a few weeks ago, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, it's not envious, not proud, it's not rude, it gives you all these things, and then it finishes in verse 8, love never fails, and it goes on a few verses, and then Paul says this, which is, it's kind of stuck in there, but it's in really good stuff, because it's showing his growth. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason like a child, but when I became a man, I did away with childish things, there's some men in our 40s that your wife is ready for you to do away with some childish things. And the question is, is what is preventing you? Because what's going to be very difficult and what has happened in the life of so many families is that dad's trying to lead out in an area like church church or lead your family towards an integral piece or a a goal in your family, the problem is, is that your kids don't see any real growth, substantial growth happening in you. And if there's not growth happening in you, then how are they expecting you to grow something even bigger? Because see, the family is bigger than you. The family is something that God has placed on your back because that's the way he's designed it. The problem is, is that in our culture, more moms lead the pack than dads. And it's not because they want to. I'll, let me clue you in on something. It's not because they don't want to or that because they want to. It's because you haven't. It's because we haven't put away our childish things. And for some of us, we're still pursuing our 14-year-old dreams when we're 34, And for some of us, we're still pursuing the same things at 38 as we were 18. For some of us, we would rather hang out with our buddies than hang out with our wives. And the bottom line is this. You and I have to grow up in the area of our faith and get spiritually fit. We need community. We need men to be honest with us. We need to let our wives take assessment and more than that, our children. And so I'm going to list 12 things up on the screen for you. 12 qualities. Now, I want everybody in this room to take note of these, okay? Ladies, this is your chance. Teenagers, this is your opportunity. Now, dads, look at me. You have to promise one thing. One, that you would begin an honest assessment of yourself. And number two, you would invite transparency and honesty from your family. Understand? Okay, all in, dad. Look, I I need you to to be with me, okay? Because you're going to have to give your wife and your kids a signal here in a second. And that signal is, it's going to have to be a little head nod, a little thumbs up. And it means that when we discuss this later, I'm not going to go off on you. Understand? I'm not going to get a defense. I'm not going to try to belly my way out of it. I'm going to take it like a man. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to put away childish things and I'm going to take it like a man. Why? Because you need to hear it, and you need to know what your family is seeing in your leadership. And so here's 12 qualities right there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then I added three, humility, hope, and servanthood. And so men, here's what I want you to do. I want you in your mind, on your hand, on a piece of paper, grab a pen, whatever you have to do, I want you to circle the word that you think you do best. So if you think I'm humble, then circle humility. If you exude joy, you wake up singing. There you go. If you're just peaceful and you're, or you're kind or, man, you're gentle, you exude self-control, then circle that. Wives, I want you to circle the one that you think your husband does best. Teenagers, daughters, kids, I want you to circle the one you think that your husband does best. Now, husbands, I want you to square the one that you think I do worst. And so if you lack self-control, if you're easily angered, if you're frustrated easily, if you are prideful, means you're not humble, If you're always a pessimistic and you see everything as a Debbie Downer moment, it means you don't have hope. If you would rather be served than serve, it means that you're not exuding servanthood. Square that. Wives, children, I'd like you to do the same. Okay? File that away because there's a conversation that needs to take place. Now, those two things are, they're almost inseparable. You've got to be able to do both. But here's another one. I want you to love your wife. Love your wife well. Statistics say this, that right now, the divorce rate in our culture inside and outside the church is around 50%. It's been hovering there for about a decade. But here's what's interesting. I came across a survey after hearing it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I wanted to verify it for myself. And that was that only 1% of couples who pray together every day actually End in divorce. And that is actually a true study that has been done and uh, was actually concluded uh, by a guy named Christopher Ellison at the University of Texas San Antonio. And what they decided and figured out is that when people go to church, they're more uh, involved in church based organizations, faith, then more than that, prayer and Bible study at home, they have less than a 1% divorce rate. Now, interesting enough, That study also showed that only 4% of all married couples pray together on a daily basis, and only 6% among pastors. Love your family well. Love your wife well. Why? Because when you love each other well, it brings an enormous amount of security into the home. And I'll tell you, the number one preventable thing from, from leading to a divorce is prayer and Scripture together. Statistics prove it. So why aren't we doing that? Even our 4C survey in which we surveyed members, we see continually time and time and time again on those surveys that our couples are not praying together as often as they should. And then here's the fourth one, kind of a simple one thing. Dad, a simple one, okay? And that that is this. You ready for it? Enjoy family meals together. Uh, A study by Cornell University, the University of Columbia, Uh, they say that there are three things that uh, contribute to the likelihood and the success of family meals. Um, That is your frequency, that you would do it at least three times a week, but five times is actually the honey hole number. Like five times a week is when you see enormous success. It's consistency, not just doing it for one week, but doing it every week, continually over and over. And then of course, the quality of having those meals together. That means shutting off the TV, turning off the phones, making sure that we're all present in the conversation. Now catch this, when you do that, Your children are 35% less likely to engage in eating disorders, 24% uh, likely to eat healthier foods, 12% less likely to be uh, overweight. They're supposed to have healthier psychological well-being, greater academic success, and a more positive family interaction. And then many, many other studies come out of a horizontal and longitudinal study by a handful of doctors. What do the statistics say? They're saying that if you want to win at home, then you lead out in your faith, you love well, you lead well, you you treat your wife the way you should, and then what? You put a priority on families. So those are ways that you should lean in. Now, let me tell you a couple of ways real quickly that you and I as dads need to lay off. Okay, a few ways we need to lay off. We need to lean in. Why? Because fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Start with you, let that move out but one of the things provoke your children to anger literally means to exasperate is what it means to the Greek exasperate, take the wind out of someone's cells. And dad, we do that all too often. And you, we typically fall in one of three categories. Okay. There's some of you in here and ladies, kids feel free to mark these three down. There's some of us in here that you're a nitpicker. Okay. You're the nagger, You make everything a federal case, everything. If your child goes to the principal office, it is as bad as them spilling milk on the floor when they were four. You go ballistic. You are what's called a rider. You ride and you ride and you ride. And you wonder when they're 13 or 14 or 15, why they don't want to approach you with conversations. They're afraid that you're gonna humiliate them, drive them away, and they fear you because you nitpick over everything. You don't pick and choose battles in the sense of what we're going to respond to. I'm not talking about worldview. I'm talking about frustration, lack of self-control. You are a rider. This is an area where dads, we need to lay off. Another one is, is maybe you're not a rider. Maybe you come in the form of a breaker. You're like, I don't even know what that means. A breaker. A breaker is someone who overpromises and underdelivers. You constantly tell your children that you'll do this, but you never show up. There are some of you in here that as kids, that's what you think. You think, "Dad tells me I'm going to be there and he doesn't show up." And that's what you call a breaker. It's a promise breaker. It's someone who doesn't do their part. And then the last one is this, an area that we need to look at and possibly lay off, or maybe even lean into on this one, is a withdrawer. You're too tired? You got too much going on. I'm going to let mom take it. I'm not going to be involved in it. And the problem with that is this, is that the longer that you're disengaged, the more that your children grow up in front of you and the less likely you are to know them and to understand them. All three of these are incredible uh, problems for us. And here's why. Because here's what happens with most of us men. Are y'all ready for it? Y'all with me? Most of us, we do such a good job at the latter rather than the former, meaning we do a greater job at nitpicking, breaking our promises, and withdrawing than we do leaning into our family, leading out on church loving our wives well, and making the things that should be a priority a priority. And so when it actually does come a pivotal time when your daughter is 16 or when your son is 15, and it's time for you to have a conversation with them and to bring them in to your office and say, son, I need to have a talk with you. Or when it's time to address pivotal points in their life, If they know you as a withdrawer, a breaker, a nitpicker, they don't have any desire in hearing how you're going to lead out in the family. And so what I've discovered is even early on into my parenting is that for every one conversation that I have to have with my children that's hard, I should have 10 positive building up experiences first. So for every time that Brady comes home and we celebrate the fact that he got fuzzies in his jar and he gets to have an awesome day on Friday where he gets to go and take something, we celebrate and we high-five that. And the more moments that we can high-five and celebrate and lean into him in that way, it means when we have to have that hard conversation, then guess what? I've accumulated enough in the chest of building up that I can look him straight in the eye. Actually, I don't look him straight in the eye. I get up in a chair above him. You know, here he is. He's a small plate trying to make him into a plate. And I'll say, son, you made this mistake. What are we going to do? And we'll have this conversation. And, and in that sense, I, I tower over him. I am his authority at this particular point in time. And I'll tell you, here's where some of us dads need to begin. Instead of continuing to have these conversations where you call them into your Godly presence, and you tower over them. Maybe you should acknowledge where you truly are as a spiritual leader in your house. And before you tower over them anymore, maybe you should get down on their level and say, I'm sorry. I've not let out the way I should. My faith has not been a priority. I don't read the scriptures. I don't pray with your mother. And I know that right now, statistics would say that's a foolproof way to give you security as a kid. Parents, if you knew that reading your Bible and praying with your wife every single day would foolproof your marriage, are you not foolish not to do that? I think that's an incredible security blanket in and of itself for your children. And so you can say, that's where we're going to begin. We're going to go to church and it's going to become a priority. I'm going to love your wife well. And as a result, I'm going to grow and love you well. And we're going to make meals a priority. And then I'm sorry that I've nagged you so much. I'm sorry that I told you that we'd go play catch last night and we didn't. I'm sorry that I told you that we'd have movie night and I found myself working late. I'm sorry that I withdraw. I'm sorry that I come home and I sit in my lazy boy and I let my, my wife and your mom do all the bath time. That's not fair. And that's not a good leader. And God's calling me to be the leader. Men, I'm going to give you a challenge. It's a 752 challenge. You ready? I'm going to make it a little easy for you. The seven is I want you to pray with your kids seven times a week. Every day you tuck your kids into bed. If you're at business, then there's this beautiful thing called FaceTime. Pick up the phone, pray with your kids. Never miss that. I want to challenge you to a five. Five nights a week to family dinners. And I want you to start. I'm going to start easy on you, gentlemen. Two two times a week that you would pray with your spouse. You would pray with your wife. Understand? I think that's reasonable. And my prayer is, is that you would choose to win out in the home in these areas. Now, single moms, you're going, man, we don't have a dad. Well, let me tell you something. There's no reason that you can't win at home. There's no reason that you cannot train your children up in the way they should go. There's no reason that you can't parent with great veracity. There's no reason we can't have a partnership with the church. And so I'm going to tell you one thing that I'm asking all single moms to do here on Wills Point Campus and Edgewood Campus. If you feel like that this year you need some incredible partnership and help, we want to bless a single mom or two with something really incredible at Stone Point Church this year, and it's going to happen on Mother's Day. But in order to be eligible, it means that you're going to have to write us at Stone Point leadership team and tell us why you need the help, how we can help you, and how we can partner with you. And the one who does the best job, that's the most creative, we're going to make it worth your while come Mother's Day because we're going to show you as single moms that we truly do care, that we know we can win at the home. We know it's God's design and it's best with a man, but if he's not there, guess what? We can still win. We can still be successful. We can still partner together in raising children. It's not the best plan, But hey, we know we can still accomplish what God has for us. Men, this message is for you more than for single moms. Lead well, love well, serve well. Lean in and sometimes lay off. The best approach before you go home and get all crazy is to get down on their level and apologize for some areas that we've missed the mark. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for these families. And Father, I pray that you would help us to raise our children with wisdom and grace and instruction in the Lord. May we not take the wind out of their cells. May we not ride them so much they see us as a condescending nitpicker, I pray that we would not be seen as someone who sits on our lazy boy chair and simply withdraws from everything in the family. And even that, I pray that we wouldn't be the guy who says, oh yeah, I'll pick you up from school tomorrow. And yet we never show up. God, help us to know that our lives matter, that the choices we make affect generations. And I know that there's men in here that they've never seen it modeled completely. But Lord, you are the greatest model through Jesus Christ, the greatest servant the world has ever seen. And Father, my prayer is, is you would help us to lead, to love, and to serve well, and to grow and learn from some of the best men that do it well, because there are some men in this room, there are some men in this church that do it well. And my prayer is, is that we would surround ourselves with those people. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.